0: Welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm excited to have you join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs in the photography industry as we dive into real conversation about photography, business, and that sometimes messy thing we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom post production for the wedding and portrait photographer visit photographersedit.com and now let's dive into conversation okay so we are as I like to say we are live Um, I'm here with my new friend Michael Sasser photographer who is currently based in, in California we'll get into that here in just a little bit but thanks so much for making time to join the Boca podcast today Michael
1: absolutely man this is great I'm excited
0: Well, We're going to dive into a really interesting point of conversation here a little bit later in the podcast about using video in a photography business. But to kind of get us started, will you give our listeners, I I like to get started with kind of a a takeaway, a big takeaway or a value add for our listeners. Will you let our listeners know a piece of advice um, that you wish you had known or at least followed when you first started your photography business?
1: Sure. And this is actually something that I've been you could say conquering lately or like working on for myself is the, is knowing that it's going to take more than one try in any, in any specific area of your business, whether that's, um, an advertisement, you know, I used to think I would put up an ad and it would either work or it didn't. And now I'm learning like you need to put up five or six or seven ads to find the best one. Yeah. If you email, you know your goal is to connect with um, a certain type of business for weddings that may be a florist or something if you reach out to a florist and they say they're not interested that interested doesn't mean all florists are interested it actually means that what you need to do is email 10 and so i wish that i would just have known that trying once and uh, and if it doesn't work out it doesn't mean that your system is flawed or that it's not going to work or anything right. like that it just means that um it just means that every, everything has a first step, and usually it takes more than one step to get anywhere. That's a really great piece of advice, and actually it's a good reminder for me, and this is something I've been
0: reminded of uh, in the last few months in particular. I, I listen to, I, I follow a guy named Gary Vaynerchuk, who's really popular. For sure. Yeah, in, in social media, and one of his, his messages is one of patience, um, to, to realize that this is kind of a, a long game, if you will, and it's really easy in our culture these days. I know it is easy for me to kind of expect immediate results. And I've, I've had the fortune of seeing some immediate results through my career in photography and, and now with my editing company. And I'm lucky to have seen those. But that's not always going to be the case. And um, to, to just keep in mind the importance of patience. I think that's really wonderful advice, whether the photographer who's listening in is just getting started or they've been in business for a long time. It's easy to get burnout at times, especially if you've been in business for a while. But remembering that it is a long game, and to have a little bit of patience. And if it doesn't work the first time, it doesn't hurt to try again. And and as you said too, to be intelligent about it. To look at the data, look at analytics, um, test a few different options out before making a decision about what to focus on or whether to continue with that. A particular approach to business or not? I think this is really, really great advice, really great reminder, and uh, I appreciate you starting us off with that. It's really great. I want to get to know you a little bit personally. We haven't had the opportunity to meet in person yet, uh, but I'd also like for our listeners to get to know
1: you a little bit. So tell us first of all, just where you're based. Uh, I live out in LA now. I got my photography start in Denver. Uh, I was there for about ten years, and then decided to come out to LA to get away from the snow. Man, I'm just not a not into the cold anymore. So. <laughs> that's been a big, that's been a good change. Okay. Well, now are you originally from Denver or where are you from originally? I grew up in Texas actually. Um, and so I went to school in Denver. I wanted to be able to, you know, snowboard more often. And, um, and so I chose a school in Denver where I would be, you know, kind of close to the mountains. And that's where I kind of got into my photography. It's, it was actually, I, I did my study abroad in Australia. My dad bought me a camera and he said, go take pictures. And I was like, I don't know why people take pictures like you're going to have memories. (laughs) And he was like, you're going to go and you're going to take pictures. And I was like, "Okay." And uh, and I got, you know, I got hooked. And so that happened in Australia. But I mean, I didn't start making probably like a lot of people. I didn't start making money until somebody asked to pay me a hundred dollars for, a you know, fifty dollars. I need a I need a headshot or I need my friend, something like that. Right. And I was like, oh, my God. Like I just made <laughs> money with my camera, <laughs> and so uh, so I started looking on Craigslist, like any uh, young adult does when they're looking for their first job, right? And uh, I found a sports photography company. They they photographed children's sports tournaments and sold the pictures back to their parents. So um, I, I started with that um, was I did that for a for a year and then got into high school senior portraits. And I got into Uh, wedding photography, and I got into headshots, and I started shooting wedding films, and you know, I've shot pretty much uh, a little bit of everything, Um, but I've landed now um, 100% of my work is boudoir, so I've now canceled out all of the other uh, kinds of photography, but what I still do is I still use the knowledge I learned from being a videographer, shooting weddings, uh, into my business, and coming out to Los Angeles was a scary step, man it took me a long time to kind of find my feet again. but uh, like you said, that that patience, that kind of belief, you know I'm I'm in a, I'm in a pretty good place now.
0: That's awesome. Well okay, so you've hit a, a various elements here that I want to kind of jump back to. So the first one is Australia. Whereabouts did you live in Australia?
1: Uh, I was in Brisbane. I did like four and a half months in Brisbane. Um, this was when I was you know 20 years old. I was just uh, wanted to go somewhere different, but not too different. Yeah, <laughs> you know um going someplace new is is scary I've definitely had you know it's scary to be in a place where you don't speak the language and so um so I did I did Brisbane which was incredible I did all that with a point and shoot um when I got back to town I got my first digital SLR and I remember playing with that thing I mean like the number of features it had I was my mind was blown yeah, it's a I big jump that, to go that from that, that for hours.
0: Yeah, that point and shoot to the to the SLR. You're, it's, it's a big step, not necessarily just in quality, but then, like you said, the, the options and figuring out all the different moving parts. The irony, of course, and, and I always find this amusing, it, not just about camera gear, but even software like Photoshop. There are so many different moving parts, but at the end of the day, and you were even alluding to this about video editing before we hit the record button. Um, that that at the end of the day, there are probably a few features that you're going to use on a regular basis of whether it's the camera or the the software or whatever it might be that we use most often. So as complicated as things can seem up front at the end of the day, it's not necessarily that complicated. You also mentioned that move from Denver to LA and not, not just from a cultural standpoint and a, and a weather standpoint. I can understand not liking the snow if you're from Texas, but uh, you jumped into a really massive Photography market a very saturated. Photography market, so I can only imagine oh, how, Joe. yeah, how how challenging that had to have been. How long did it take for you to get from the place where you were kind of the newbie in the market to a place where you felt like you had an
1: established business that was doing well there in LA? You know, I I still kind of feel like I'm establishing out here. Um, it was about uh, two and a half years ago now, and uh, initially, what I did is is I had a bunch of weddings booked back in Denver. I mean. The very first year that I did, I think 2015, um, I I had about 15 weddings booked uh, that year, about 13 of them in Denver, and so I flew back to Denver about half the year. Wow! And that's how I I dealt with my income is that I'd go back to Denver, I'd shoot my portrait shoots, I'd fit the, the portrait shoots in with when my weddings were, I'd shoot my weddings, I'd fly back to LA and try and network and and um, you know do that do that whole thing. And then, uh, I decided that if I was really going to be in LA, like I would have to stop taking work back in, in Denver. And so the second year I only had about six weddings back in Denver. So I flew back to Denver a couple of times, um, and try to, you know, shoot some portrait shoots in there as well. And then come back to LA and network and work on my shoots. And I, um, you know, I did a lot of things. I did, uh, free shoots. I did, um, I did styled sessions. I went to networking events and honestly, I, you know, I ended up kind of giving up on the, on the wedding video side of things for a couple reasons. One is, um, the way that they do it out here is just, it's very different. And I had a, I had a difficult time getting connected. And I, I think, you know, looking back, it was because my networking, my you know, my style shoots, all of that. I was kind of at 50% of what I should have been giving, you know, looking back at, it doesn't just take one, you know, you do a style shoot for somebody, you send them the pictures, you send them the video. Great. How many times did I follow up with that person? Zero. Interesting. You know, the feeling that like, all right, well, I've done something already. Now you do something for me. Like, you know, relationships have to be nurtured and having them naturally be nurtured in Denver from being there for 10 years Looking back, I feel like I really didn't, I didn't do that enough. So uh, I started shooting, focusing more on boudoir. And honestly, the biggest thing that I helped, that I think helped me were two things. One is, is moving to a place where uh, it was more competitive. It forced me to be a better photographer. It forced me to improve my website. It forced me to figure out more so why I shoot it. it, forced me to explain those things. It forced my images to be better. It forced everything like I'm a totally different photographer now than when I was in Denver because I had to be. That's fascinating. So that's the the first thing. The second thing is I had to get over my fear of spending money on advertising. I think a lot of people are terrified that, you know, what if they spend money on advertising and it doesn't work? That's kind of money down the drain, which, you know, isn't completely untrue. But what it does is it prevents you from, I mean, really getting out to the people that are interested in your business. Now I spend about uh, five hundred dollars a month on advertising, and that um, that a books me more clients, but b connects me to their friends who are similarly interested in my product or in a similar you know socioeconomic status or um, you know able to buy what I'm selling, and it keeps me on the top of their minds. It just um, the referrals I have more referrals now. It just kind of snowballed, and I was so scared to do that. Um, because I, honestly, like I'm not a good marketer. I think a lot of photographers are terrible marketers. And so uh, kind of getting over my fear of that has helped
0: immensely. And when you when you talk about spending that kind of money each month on marketing, are you gearing most of that to Facebook ads or does it break up in a, in a particular way? How are you spending those marketing dollars?
1: You know what? Sup- surprisingly, uh, all of my marketing dollars are now with Yelp. Interesting. Okay. Super interesting because I think a lot of people say that, you know, Yelp is this evil company who, you know, puts you at the bottom of the search listings if anything happens. And when somebody says you have a bad experience, your life is over, you know. But um, I found that, you know, I get 50 to 60 clicks, but I get seven or eight emails. And a lot of those people are actually, you know, they're typing into Yelp because they're looking to hire somebody. Having your photos, you know, when people – This was this was some advice that somebody gave me. Um, So when somebody goes to your website, they're hoping that you're the one for them. Nobody, nobody goes to your website saying, I, I kind of hope that I have to keep looking. (laughs) It's true, right? Yeah. So the idea of, you know, getting out in front of those people who are hoping that you're the one, you know, getting out there first, which is why being on the front page of Google is you know, so important and yield so many clients, but, um, that mixed with the reviews that I have, the quality of my reviews, um, I think says wonders. I think the two of those things together, you know, being the first person they click on and having astounding reviews, um, really gives them the trust that this is going to be, you know, a great, a great experience. So I've done, uh, some Facebook ads and, um, I've had people, book me after spending $2. And I've sometimes spent $300 in order to acquire a client. I've sometimes run a Facebook ad in September and they didn't book until March of the next year. So it's very random because you're putting this in front of somebody, you know, you target somebody who's married or or maybe you target somebody who's in high school or maybe you target somebody, you know, while they're scrolling through Facebook, their mind isn't necessarily in the mode of, I'm looking for a photographer. They're in social mode. And so you kind of have to bring them out of that social mode yep. to tell them, you know, hey, how about, have you thought about a? your a senior photographer? Have you thought about your wedding photography yet? You know, one of those things. Whereas when they're actively looking for it themselves, they're much more inclined, they're much more likely and motivated to take action on it. You know, that's a really interesting
0: differentiation. And, and yet again, a good reminder for me. And when I think about, in fact, I was just meeting with, Um, Our new head of digital marketing at Photographers Edit today, and we were chatting about strategy and plans. And um, when I think about what type of ads we're creating to put on Facebook versus the type of ads that um, we might run on Google, for example, where, like you said, you would have somebody who's actually looking specifically looking for whatever it might be—in this case, a boudoir photographer or an editing company, whatever it might be—they're a warmer lead because they have that on their mind. Versus the type of ad that you might create on Facebook where And you summed it up so well, you're pulling them out of whatever that they're doing at that point, which may just be something as simple as laying in bed, scrolling through social media. Um, They're not a warm or as warm a lead at that point. And so you have to get them in the right mentality and then try to convert them. Uh, That's that's really compelling, a series of compelling thoughts that I think would be really valuable for our photographers listening in who are thinking about creating
1: ads on the various social media platforms. But uh, certainly a good reminder for me. Google, I've, um, I'm have i hoping to continue to gain the ranks in Google, but somebody once told me that, um, you know, when somebody looks you up on Google, all of the, you know, we, we're in a very visual business, and all of the Google listings are just one blue line of text yeah. with underneath uh, two lines of, of gray text, essentially. So they can't differentiate you when you're clicking through. Whereas Yelp, for instance, you get your home photo, Um, and that alone can be something that can differentiate you, you know, and I, and I spent less money. I spent X amount of dollars on Google and I spent X amount of dollars on Facebook and I added up, you know, how much it cost me to acquire clients from each and Yelp was the lowest a, but B it took the least amount of time. And the other thing I'll say is, um, I ran out ads for uh you, i've got this course out on um how to teach photographers how to shoot video and all 100 percent of my advertising for that was on facebook and so i ran a video that showed you know i'm teaching a course on video i played a video that showed these incredible shots that you can get and the t- things i'm going to be teaching you you know a link to my website where more sample videos could be seen and that was that was extremely successful um because I was able to target, you know, the targeting of Facebook is really what's so amazing. Right. Literally the only people who are going to see your ad are people who at some point are going to hire a photographer. Um, so the targeting of that really separates Facebook, I think, from, you know, from from other platforms. The difference is, is a, a platform like Yelp is kind of the targeting is they're looking for what you have already. You know, they're the one who's actively obviously there are potential because they're searching for it. Right. And it's a it's a warm lead of a different kind in that sense. But I think at the end of the day,
0: really a g- good way to sum this up. Um, I mean, again, there's been so much valuable content here that I didn't expect we would get into. So I really appreciate you sharing. Um, at the end of the day, it is important to remember to use the, the right platform for the right purpose. And, uh, and and on top of that, also, again, just borrowing Gary's advice uh make sure that you're going to the platform where you can get the best ROI, where maybe there's the least traffic or effort as far as advertising is concerned. And I I think that Facebook advertising from the photographer's standpoint may be
1: yet may still be underutilized. And the very last thing I want to say on that is yeah. for Yelp for me might work really well, but Yelp for the next person might not you know, like for the next photographer, maybe Facebook ads is more there, you know, what's going to do it for them. Or maybe Google ads are really going to do it. Or maybe they're just such a warm person that when they, um, you know, meet somebody, they, uh, you know, they create this, whatever, like people want to work with them. So they shouldn't be spending their time trying to figure out Facebook ads. What they need to be doing is going to networking events every single day. And so, um, and the, the difficult part about that is you don't know until you try them all.
0: Which is, it goes back to your, your point earlier about playing the long game, trying a little bit of everything, testing it out, playing on your, your strengths, um, setting aside your weaknesses and, and, um, and, and really focusing on what generates the best results. And, you know, again, part of, part of that just to simply looking at the data, which is not something that a lot of photographers are, are great at or, or tend to even consider. It was certainly a weakness of mine and something that I've learned later in my business life. Uh, but it's important to, to try the various possibilities, look at the data, make intelligent decisions, and focus on what works. And um, so this is all really, really great advice, good reminders. And I really appreciate you sharing about all of that. I want to get into a little bit more. You've, you've alluded a couple of times to using video in your photography business. And that's really one I wanted to focus on today, because this is an interesting consideration for the already busy photographer. we got sole proprietors who are trying to run their photography business. Uh, in this case, your your focus and your specialty, your brand position is boudoir photography. Um, other photographers may be shooting weddings or portraits or otherwise, but the notion of doing everything that they already have to as sole proprietors, but then adding an additional element to that, which is, hey, I should learn how to use video in my business for the sake of marketing my business might seem a little bit overwhelming. And uh, so I'd like to to get your advice on how photographers can begin to get into that. But before we do, share some of the benefits that you've seen from using video in your photography business.
1: Awesome. Well, that's a really good question. I don't think I've ever heard it asked like that, it's like, yeah, I've heard like, well, what are the benefits? But I haven't heard like under the circumstances of people being, you know, having really busy lives and already having so much to worry about, why put something else on their plate? And I think that's a really good question because, you know, we were kind of talking about, um, there's a million things that you could learn, but typically you don't really need to learn all of those things to be successful. Um, you just need to learn the things that are right for you. So, um, i the very first thing i did after my uh wedding my first wedding video is i invited the couple back uh to my place to record a testimony of them what was your i shot them for free i didn't have any wedding videos i just wanted to see if i could do it and i did it and i sent them the video and they loved it and i said why don't you come over and i'll record you know you talking about it so i just asked them some questions what was your favorite part What stood out to you? What were you expecting? How was the experience? You know, uh, would you recommend this to a friend? And I put that up on my website. And I think that video alone is what allowed me to book seven more videos uh, weddings that year, my very first year putting it out, just not knowing what I was doing. Um, Because when people watched it, they saw the brightness in this couple's eyes. They believed what an incredible experience they had. And they they wanted the same. So what is so video can, can be a lot of things for your business. You can sell it as a, um, as an additional pr- product. Um, you know, Hey, your high school senior picture, but we'll also, you know, take some video clips of you walking around in your cute outfits and spinning around your hair blowing in the wind and things like that make you a product. You can do that. You can also have, um, behind the scenes that shows the experience, right? So, um, so that can be done by either setting up a tripod and filming yourself, or having a friend come out with an iPhone, or um, kind of whatever it is. Or if you're a photographer, hopefully you have other friends who are photographers that um, you know that can come for an afternoon and record some video of you while you're out shooting. Show the experience, the behind the scenes. And then you can also do uh, video testimonials, which is where other people brag about how incredible that you are, and that's uh, really powerful as well. So the reason why. Um, people should take video really seriously are twofold. One, um, people love consuming information that way. They trust you more. They'll believe your testimonials. They want to see what the experience is like. They can imagine themselves in that experience. And two, it separates you from the other photographers. Because if they can feel like they've almost already had the experience with you by listening to people talk about it or seeing you in action – then you're going to be the one that they resonate with. It, it's so true. And you know, you, whenever I see, uh, and we've talked about putting
0: testimonials on, on the photographer's edit website uh, in the past, and I haven't done it because it, it, it seems it's so disingenuous. It, it, you see a, a line of text and then somebody's name. Well, all of that could have been made up so easily um, contrast that with, and I actually, you've got a video on your site um, on the, so we're going to, I'm going to share the link to your site here at the end of the podcast, but on the videos page, on your website uh, I was looking at the video uh, from Mrs A is is what it's titled Mrs A in her words and the way that she comes alive describing the experience being photographed by you was fascinating to me and not only that it wasn't just that she came alive but uh, when she's talking specifically about being having this boudoir session done she's doing it for her groom to be and, and she talks about how this isn't something that he would have expected. So here's this person who maybe naturally wouldn't put themselves out there in this particular way normally, and yet she got this look in her eyes of confidence and excitement when she's talking about it, this, this edge almost that, that your approach to Boudoir photography brought out in her that you there's just no way you can fake, and that in and of itself was just extremely compelling, and that was just one video on your site. But when you talk about seeing the light in your eyes and how much more compelling those videos are in comparison to just reading a line of text, um, that that benefit that speaks by itself. And, and for those of you listening in, make sure, and I'll go ahead and mention it now, uh, Sasser Stills Boudoir.com uh, is Michael's site. And you got to go take a look at the video page and that uh, the first video on the left-hand corner at the top of the page is is extremely compelling for this very reason, you'll see what exactly what Michael is talking about. One of the things that I struggle with as somebody who's kind of in charge of marketing for my company is being jaded myself, right? When I see, I'm constantly bombarded with one ad or another on pretty much any platform that I go to. So it's gonna be tough to convince me to begin with because I'm already jaded by by the constant stream of ads. Um, you're going to have to feed me something that that does feel, well, it certainly is interesting, but then also feels genuine. And you did a beautiful job with that there. Um, one thing that I want to jump back to before we get to kind of the next steps for these photographers that are saying, you know what, okay, I'm convinced. I, I looked at your website. I want to figure out how to begin making videos for my photography business. We're going to talk a little bit about how they can get into that. But something you mentioned in passing, which is really fascinating to me, was you were talking about shooting behind-the-scenes videos and just having a friend come and shoot with the iPhone. Uh, I know that that most photographers, if not all photographers, are aware of how good the, uh, at least to an extent anyway, how good the, the video quality and photo quality on these phones are. But the fact now that we can do something so simple as grab an iPhone and shoot video that is good enough to even post on our website I think is really interesting and it minimizes that barrier to entry for photographers who are interested in getting into this. Uh, would, you, would you recommend a particular approach to using the phone if that's all they have to get started? If they don't even have an SLR that has good video built in, uh, how should they go about using something like an iPhone to, to begin to shoot something like behind the scenes videos? uh shoot
1: horizontal <laughs> is, the, <laughs> that, is the big one that for sure um, for sure but but in all seriousness um i just got back from europe and on the trip i had a little pocket camera i had by my sony pocket camera for when i couldn't um couldn't bring my larger camera that i was you know filming everything and for the times at which i left that sony at home i still had my cell phone and uh we did like we went up the Eiffel Tower, and I didn't bring my, I didn't bring my pocket uh, Sony. That's you know it's really nice, shoots incredible footage, and um, but instead I had my phone, and I took video from my phone, and I I cut it all together with all of the other footage, and like honestly, you almost can't tell. Yeah, like it. It blows my mind so much, the the image quality of the iPhone now. And I would say that – so a couple things. is The first thing is um, the number one indicator that you're shooting with an iPhone is the auto exposure change. Interesting. So to turn that off, all you do is – you you know how when you tap on like a brighter part of the picture, it darkens things. If you tap on a darker part of the picture, it brightens things. All you have to do is push on the screen and hold – and it'll pop up with this auto exposure lock. And then the exposure won't change. And it looks like you're shooting on manual with a 35 millimeter at like F8. Yeah. And um, and so that's, that's really it. That's if you – and it's got built-in image stabilization. So it, it's super smooth. So that and then shoot into the sun as little as you can. So, the iPhone is not great at shooting into the sun. So, wherever you stand, shoot from the side or shoot with the sun at your back. Um, I would say that, you know, do those two things. The audio on the iPhone is not that great, but for behind the scenes, you know, video, you're just watching the person laugh or smile. Um, I've been hired to shoot behind the scenes for wedding photographers before, where I've just followed the photographer around. (laughs) which looks really silly when the bride and groom walk down the aisle and the (laughs) photographer kind of follows them and I'm like doing my panning shot on the photographer. But as long as it looks like it's in, in manual, your light is pretty good. You're a photographer. You should know how to get pretty decent light. Um, you shoot horizontal. I believe you could cut together a 30 second video that people would love to watch and feel more comfortable feeling like they understand what the experience is like.
0: For sure. Well, and, and what we have to keep in mind uh, is that, even photographers on a regular basis are consuming Instagram stories, for example, uh, as content and enjoying it. And and that is about the least, well, in many cases anyway, about the least produced content that you can imagine. So because photographers and, and pretty much everybody else are used to seeing that quality of content, when I say quality, I just mean simply the quality right. of the footage itself. Um, the idea of, of using just a couple of simple tips like what you just recommended, applying that to what is a, a pretty incredible video built into your, your phone, um, you should be able to create wonderful uh, video footage for something as simple as a, a behind-the-scenes look. So I think that's really great advice. I'll throw in a couple of additional suggestions there, too. I know that um, an app that I've used in the past that has been really powerful is one called Filmic Pro um, that works for the iPhone specifically. I'm not sure if it's available for Android um, but it's a really, really powerful tool. If you want more manual control of the video that you're producing on your iPhone, you can take a look at that. And then Moment Lens. If you just Google search Moment Lens, uh, Moment Lenses are, are kind of mind-blowing really. It's the, the quality that they generate and, um, and the increased uh, control over depth of field. Absolutely beautiful product for a minimal price. And um, so if you guys want to take advantage of that platform, photo and video that you have on your phone, Um, check out moment lens as well Um, let's let's go ahead and move on then to your suggestions maybe the first two or three steps that that photographers um, can take to get started in using video for their business and we're going to make sure that we send them to the resources that you have on your website as well but give give our listeners first two or three steps that they should take if they're like hey you know what i'm ready to use video for the sake of my photography business what do they need to do next
1: Honestly, like the first the first step is to go out and shoot some video, which, you know, kind of sounds silly. But um, one of my favorite quotes is the most effective way to do something is to do it. And uh, I think that just kind of speaks to the paralysis that a lot of people feel like, you know, is it going to be good? Is it not going to be good? You know, so the first thing that I would say is just go out and shoot and shoot some content if it and it doesn't have to be for your photography business it can be something else that you're interested in it could be your kid playing soccer it could be friends you know making drinks or or whatever but the first step is just just shoot some video know that it's not going to be very good but i i guarantee you like first video is going to be difficult second video is going to be easier third video is going to be gold so i think you're going to be in great shape if you can get to that third video you just start shooting so that's step one Step two is I've sort of broken down. I think you only really need three things to make a video great, you know, watchable. Uh, The first is a stable camera, which most photographers already have tripods. Uh, If you're doing interviews, if you're, you know, walking around and getting behind the scenes footage, like we said, the iPhone has built in image stabilization. You know, you're going to be fine there. Um, Good light, um, which is most photographers should know how to do because. Um, you know, that's what you're shooting on a regular basis. And the third is if there is any audio, you know, behind the scenes video, you can just drop a song in there and add the clips that match up with the beats. And then, you know, you're, that's, that's it. You don't need audio. But if you're, if you're going to have somebody speaking to have decent enough audio and, uh, you can get a, a good enough mic for about 30 to $60 on Amazon that you just plug into your camera and you are done. That's, that's all. You know that's pretty much all that audio is, and so there's really no reason to be scared of that. So, um, stable camera, good light, good audio, and and you're in and you're in pretty good shape.
0: Do you recommend a particular mic when you say that the thirty to sixty dollar mic on Amazon is there
1: one a name that you can throw out there? Yeah, the my very short answer to that is if somebody's if somebody's sitting in a chair talking, then a lavalier microphone is the best. And you can buy one for, uh, for very inexpensive for probably under $30 that plugs into your camera. It's got a long wire and you just let the wire go across the floor. And you just clip it onto that person's shirt. If you're doing something where you don't necessarily know exactly where somebody's going to be at any particular time. So if you're out and about uh, doing behind the scenes of somebody and you want to get them talking and you want to get their uh, client talking and laughing – then you get what's called a, uh, a shotgun microphone, which is just that thing that points in a direction wherever you point your camera, it records the audio. Right. And there's one made by a company called Rode, R-O-D-E, called the Rode Video Micro, like a small, like M-I-C-R-O. And that's only $60. And I personally use that microphone everywhere that I go. It's tiny, it's compact, it works great outside, it's non-intrusive, and the audio quality is about ninety percent of the quality of their more expensive one. That's like two hundred dollars. Right. So, sixty dollars for a shotgun. If you you know if you want to get into this and you're walking around, and you're doing things outside, um, under thirty bucks. If you want, to, if you just type in lavalier microphone, you'll be in great shape. And I can certainly vouch
0: for the quality of, of the Rode mics, um, both for my SLR as well as even for the iPhone. They've, they've made one for the iPhone in the past. I'm not sure if they've got one for the new lightning ports, but um, definitely really great quality products and uh,
1: good recommendations there. That's awesome. Step three is the, I think the easiest videos to start with are a testimonial. Um, you just ask a past client to come over and uh, record them talking about their experience. Uh, You can do it after the shoot, after the ordering session. Uh, Some simple questions. For me, it's just, was the experience what you expected? What was your favorite part? What are you most excited about having these pictures in the future? Why did you choose me? And then you can just instruct them to say, like, we chose Michael because. So those are just, you know, a couple of small projects that you can can try to start. Know that uh, you already have 90% of the tools. I think that's the thing that photographers are scared of. They think video is this entirely different world. Oh my God, like, am I allowed to do this? What if this happens? And the truth is, is you're already, it's its everything that you already know how to do. It's just for, instead of one one thousandth of a second, it's like three seconds. <laughs> and it's a bunch of three seconds.
0: Yes, yeah, you that's know, such a great way to put it.
1: That really is the the difference. A photographer asked me, well, am I allowed to have my client do this? I'm like, if this was a photo session, what would you have have that person do? And they say, oh, I might have her move her hand. Great. Well, in the video, you can have her move her hand. It really is the same. It's just the idea of it, you know, throws all of these barriers in. Yeah, it's so easy to get stuck in our head. I'm certainly guilty of it. And I love that quote
0: that, that uh, you shared a little bit ago about just doing. Um, at the end of the day, we just sometimes we just need to do it. And, and then we can always course correct as needed. But I think that's really great advice. I, I do have a quick question about creating testimonial videos. Uh, you know, I, I alluded to the video that's on your website earlier, and how just genuinely convincing it was. How do you have some recommendations as to how they can create an environment? I mean, many of these clients are this is their first time on or uh, being photographed, or certainly not something they're used to, much less being videoed. How do you create an environment that encourages that kind of natural feel in the video?
1: There's two things. One is catch them when they're at an emotional high. So for me. Uh, it's right after the photo shoot. So they're feeling on cloud nine they They're Wow. I can't believe I did that. Like I saw some pictures on the back of the camera. I feel incredible, right? Is that their emotional high? Maybe if they just got back from their honeymoon, maybe if they, um, you know, are seeing their pictures for the first time, you know, during their viewing session, maybe it's any of these things. So that's the first thing is, uh, when they're at an emotional high, you'll just see it. You know, have you ever seen somebody, uh, You ever seen a friend when they come back after a first date that went well, they are going to talk, you know, like just everything in their voice is going to be just excited and lively versus if they talk about it two weeks later. You know, they'll have have a good time recollecting and telling the story, but it'll be it'll be a memory instead of an experience. And so uh, that's the first thing. The second thing is, um, you know, you set up the camera to the side. You don't have them speak into the camera. You have a conversation with them. Hmm. You talk with them about a bunch of stuff that doesn't have anything to do with anything to make them feel like they're just having a conversation. And then when you can tell that they're comfortable, you start to introduce these questions. And so you might say, uh, okay, I got the camera set up, um, but, you know, I'm just curious, like, what do you have going on later today? Oh, whew wow, I can answer that question. No problem. Okay. Uh, later <laughs> today I'm doing this, you know, it's like, cool. That switch in them turns off from this is an interview to this is a conversation. Absolutely. And then from there, you know, you can be like, awesome. And like, when you started your day, did you think you were going to be doing this? And you know, then they, it kind of gets into, and like, why did you choose me instead? You, you must've looked at a lot of people. Why did you choose boudoir? You know, what was special about this experience for you? And then it's, and then it. And then they forget that the camera's there because they're looking into your eyes and they're just, you know, you guys are just having a conversation. I love it. This is really great
0: advice. And actually, I'm just kind of I'm sitting here kind of floored at the amount of value that you have added uh, to this conversation for our audience. Uh, I can't thank you enough for that, Michael. And and I know that they're going to want to kind of take this to the next level. So if you don't mind going ahead and just resharing, if you will, the your website as well as your Instagram. And I know that on your website, you've got a page specifically geared toward uh, resources for photographers. So share away if you don't mind.
1: Absolutely. So uh, my Instagram, my website is all um, my last name, Sasser, S-A-S-S-E-R, uh, stills, like a still photograph, and then boudoir.com. Uh, that's for my Instagram as well. I decided to come out with this, uh, with this course, I got asked to teach a course on video to a group of boudoir photographers and they uh, they were blown away. And I didn't really realize initially, um, what an impact be like that the barrier to entry is really so small, but, but for whatever reason, people are really struggling to start something that I think could really improve their business. So I put together this course that goes over a couple things. A couple of the big things that it teaches is a, uh, it's specifically built around, uh, boudoir. So the first thing is how to shoot a video of a client. If they want, you know, maybe something a little extra, like a video. The second thing is how to shoot, uh, promo videos for the people in your industry, for your makeup artists, for your florist, for your wedding planners, for your, um, for your wedding dress shops, it kind of goes over what it's like to kind of shoot the behind the scenes and put something together that will add incredible value to their business that they'll want to share with their potential clients. Hey, look at my incredible dress shop! You want to buy our dresses? Wow, that's an amazing video. Who shot it? This photographer. You know they also do wedding photos. And then the third thing is how to shoot testimonials, which uh, will build trust with your clients, which is a huge thing in. In boudoir, but it's also a huge thing in uh, in every other business. You know, if you're going to be a wedding photographer on the day, you want to make sure that whoever you're hiring, you know, you really believe in in that person. And so, um, those are kind of the three things that it goes over, and uh, you know, start to finish. I talk about um, how to get your camera stable when you don't have any stabilization gear, you don't have a tripod, you don't have a monopod, no problem. And there's actually a free five minute download. You just watch the first five minutes of the course and I give away like probably more than I should. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, just go check that out, like learn something and start, you know, start applying it. Well, we'll make sure
0: that we send everybody to, to Sasserstillsboudoir.com and um, that the videos Uh, page i mentioned earlier you guys make sure you check that out for some examples uh, both of michael's work but also examples of what he was talking about the benefits of the video themselves and then if you click on that for photographers link it'll take you to the page where uh, you can look at information about that course and then also sign up for it and uh, and then of course make sure to check out michael on instagram as well and uh, that is also sasser stills boudoir on instagram thank you again michael for first of all, making time, but then adding so much value to our listeners. I really appreciate you doing this for us.
1: Absolutely, man. This was great. I think, um, you know, I've loved, I've loved your content. I know this is a little outside of, uh, you know, what you guys typically talk about. So I'm, I hope it's been, I hope it's been really awesome. Um, and you know, best of luck to all the photographers out there trying, trying something new. I think you're brave and I think it's going to work out great for you.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Please let us know what you thought by leaving us a review in iTunes. If you'd like to hear a particular photographer or entrepreneur in a future episode, don't hesitate to email me, nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom post-production for the wedding and portrait photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.